Do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 377, which means it's all prime numbers. <laughs> I have no comment. <laughs> um, uh, this is episode number 377. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. I'm going to have a few quick takes. Todd's quick takes. You got any quick takes today, sweetie? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe a quick take or mm-hmm. two. Uh, I'm going to play a portion of a Krista Tippett interview with Glenn Beck. Oh, this is a quick take? No, no, now, no, no. Here's the thing, my my Taddy. There's a... This is not a quick take, but go ahead. Oh, it isn't a quick take. No. Okay, then I'll stop talking. And then I'm going to play a little bit of a Tim Ferriss who wrote the four-minute work week, four-hour work week. Okay, cool. Um, and we think the overriding theme is... I think the overriding theme of today is being able to free yourself from needing to be right. So why I say that is because obviously this is part of empathy, but it's a little more because I think a lot of times when we are able to see different sides of things or see someone else's perspective, we have this feeling that if we own up to that or admit to that, that we somehow lose and then we don't feel as strong. And that is something that we got to do a little perspective change on that because actually, and you'll get into this with the with the Glenn Beck interview, but actually being able to recognize different sides of an issue and being able to see that you still have some some things to learn, which we all do. Um, basically, it's an empty cup kind of situation. Uh, empty cup meaning, do you have room to learn new things, or are you so full of your own stuff that there's no space? Speaking of free yourself, do you have any idea who this is? No, you I know don't. this lady. It's a song called "Free Yourself." Okay, don't play this one because I have no idea what it is. Play in- I put this is a quick trivia. I'll play something else. Oh, you want me to guess who this yeah. is? American Idol. Uh, Jennifer Hudson. Nope. Fantasia Barena. Bing, you got Barino. it. Barino. What's her last name? I don't know. It's Fantasia. Fantasia. She she kind of dropped the last name. I liked Fantasia. What happened to her? You know, she actually did okay for a while. I don't know what she's doing now, but she had a few did songs. Did she win? She sure did. Okay. She had a few songs, and then they even did like a Lifetime movie about her life. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. She had an interesting life. But play this song. Okay. In Vogue, Free Your Mind. Okay, there you go. Free Your Mind. So close to what... That's what I was trying to think of. Were you really? Yeah. Well, it's it's all right to bring out Fantasia. I really liked her on the show. She was good. Old school American Idol. I miss it. I know. It's not on anymore. It did better than the... um, than the Super Bowl, for goodness sakes. Well, maybe not better than the Super Bowl. Well, and that's why I like the old school. Those last four seasons I didn't watch. So I'm a sister. Who's in Ed Vogue? Anybody uh, famous? E- e- well, it, collectively it's they are. It's not like Beyonce or something. No, it's not Destiny's Child, okay. no. Okay, I get, I get confused. They haven't said Free Your Mind yet. They, uh, they're getting to it, sweetie. <laughs> Is this their best song? Uh, to me. They don't say it in the song. They do. Wait, hold on. It's coming. No, they it's don't. coming. It's right after this part. You can skip a little bit if you want. I don't think they say it. <laughs> 
So that song was a little more about race, which that's a really powerful song from the 90s. That's right. You know? Welcome um, to the 90s, Mr. Bonds. Yes, that was a great song. But the underlying theme of Free Your Mind, in any case, if it be with race or if it be with culture or if it be with just understanding people, is be open. Like, don't assume that you know, because you know what assuming does, right, Toddy? It makes a chump out of you and me. Right. I don't swear like you do on this podcast. ASS out of you and Sweetie, me. don't even spell swear words. Okay. Because kids are smart. So a lot of moms and dads right now cleaning their kitchen. Their kids are listening to our words. But I spelled it. I know. But some of those kids are smart. How remember? about this? Don't donkey. <laughs> I remember being like seven years old and the parents used to do the spelling thing. Like oh, totally. we're in the living room and they're like, C-H-U-M-P. I'm like, that's chump. Right. Like, I won't do it, but- that, that I guess it works in the beginning, and then they forget that we could spell. So. Yeah, we're like in seventh grade, and they're still spelling things. But I feel like, like it was more of like a 70s parenting trick, or maybe we used it the whole time. I don't know. I think occasionally, I mean, I don't know anymore because our kids are old, but... I don't remember spelling things to adults when my kids were in the room. I think we did. Really? I mean, I can't point it, I can't remember an exact instance, but I think sometimes... You know what I did a lot is if I was going to... If I wanted, I wouldn't spell the whole thing. I would say S-H. Yeah. Do you remember when I, right. I would do that a You would lot. abbreviate versus spell yeah. the whole word. <laughs> because I'm just in too much of a hurry. I can't spell the whole thing. And S-H is, of course, shut up. Of course. Of course. Of course. Of course, shut up. Shut up's pretty bad. I, I'm not a big fan of it. Not I, a fan. I think that it just depends on how you use it. Because if you go shut up, like yeah, kind of like true. be quiet, you know, like, oh my gosh. What about this? Shut up. That's mean. That's like a sibling thing. It is, and that's that's Give one of those. Give me your best sibling. Shut up, sweetie. <laughs> um, I'm I'm trying to be one of my kids. I can't do it. Be, but pretend Christine, your sister, just stole something from when you were six years old. But if she stole something, I wouldn't say shut what up. If, what, <laughs> I would say said, don't steal. What if she said something that was annoying you? I say shut up. That's pretty good, but mine's better. Mine's. Shut up! That's really like there's something about that that's awesome. I, don't I know, know. Um, but I that's when I knew that I would have to like, or when I know that it's probably time for me to go upstairs and see what's going on. Yeah, because if people are telling each other to shut up, that's an end of a conversation. Do you get what I mean? And you don't like ending conversations. You like keeping things open. Well, if you end a conversation where everybody is like okay or pleasant then who you know it doesn't matter but if you're ending with shut up sweetie in the words of brian flanagan from cocktail flanagan flanagan young he says all things end badly otherwise it would never end uh but this that's not true but that's what that brian flanagan says it's true sweetheart how about closing time it's closing time every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. That's deep. And I read somewhere that that song is not about um, picking up at the end of the night at a bar. Oh, good. It's about something else. You know why we think that? Because that's the phase of life we yeah, were that's in when, when that song was popular. Um, let's go back to Flanagan for a second. Let's see. Brian Flanagan was was Tom Cruise, right? Correct. So what was Coughlin's Law. Coughlin, that's right. Bury the dead, they stink up the place. Brian, that guy, that guy, that actor who was Coughlin? Yeah. He was in the Thornbirds. Yeah, and he was also in uh, some uh, Ben Stiller movie. Oh, really? Yeah. 
I just remember him from the Thornbirds because he was Maggie's husband and he was no good. Good boy. I know. We won't go down the Thornbirds. Haven't seen Thornbirds yet. It's on my list. No, it's not. No, it's not. That and Coal Miner's Daughter. Here's my quick take. Yes. Um, I had a birthday last week and I was filling something out online. And you know the part whenever you're like putting in your birthday online and you click the drop down? Uh Uh-huh. Like I remember back when I started interneting, it would just be one or two screens down mm-hmm. to get to 1972, which is when I'm born. Mm-hmm. Now it's like three or four Correct. screens down, You're old. if that makes sense. You're in the new box because it's 40 to 44, 45 to 50. But it's not even like the checkboxing. It's like it starts at 2017 and works your way back. And that's a long time now. Correct. I think it was going on in the world in 1972, and it's kind of crazy that I was alive then. You know what? Me too. I'm learning so much more about, I think we like collectively all talk about the 60s, yeah. but really the 70s were the really challenging times. So the fact that we came to be at that time, maybe that's why people in the 70s, so basically people who listen to this show, I know people, you know, much younger people listen too, but we like came into being at that time to maybe help with now. That's right. I really do believe that. That's why we're here. I know. Um, so that's my first quick. The second quick take is um, we enjoy these online on these apps on our phone where we can order food, mm-hmm. and Panera has it down pat. Mm-hmm. You can customize your breakfast sandwich, and this is not. We don't get paid by Panera. This is just my own experience. You can get. Uh, you can customize your breakfast sandwich. You pay with your phone before you even get there. It's ready. When you want to pick it it's up, it's sitting on a shelf. You literally it's sitting on a shelf. You don't have to talk to anybody. No, it's great for introverts like me. Chipotle has some problems with their app, yeah, because Cameron likes quesadilla easy cheese, and they don't even have quesadillas on the app. And that's confusing to me because that's a real thing on their menu. I googled it, and uh, everybody's been complaining about it for like four years, and they're not doing anything about it. Well, and that's what we talked about because Panera has such an amazing app. Is that just I, I hate to say steal, but just learn from their app because they obviously have the software that makes it available for them to so do that. So thumbs up to Panera, thumbs down to Chipotle, although or, we do love Chipotle. I was going to say, instead of thumbs down, let's say they're still working on it. Let's say They've it's, been working on it a long time. It's it's a uh, it's work in progress. progress. Yes, it's a work in progress. And um, then my last thing is uh, we did our first Zen Talk last that week. That was so cool. We're about to record another one. And these are a few of the things that we talked about on the Zen Talk number one. Uh, We talked about when partners have a differing point of view on being late, Mm -hmm. uh, how to help kids trust their gut, Mm -hmm. why kids do the same thing repeatedly, Mm -hmm. why I wear a Sherlock Holmes hat, Mm -hmm. um, and then a few other things. Mm -hmm. So if somebody wanted to get involved with the Zen Talk, sweetheart, what would they do? Well, if somebody wants... So we did the first Zen Talk last week. We've got the second one today. And obviously, if you're listening to this, you will have already missed it because the show won't go up till tomorrow. But you can still subscribe for the month of May, and I will send you the Zen Talks, and it comes in two forms. It comes in the video form, so you can see us and everybody, or you can just listen to the audio form. We've got both, so you can listen to it like a podcast. Um, I mean, I just the way I look at it, it's just like having three three more podcasts a month yeah. with a little bit more intimate setting because we're answering people's specific questions. Live. 
Yeah. So people are talking live to us. Yes. And we're also getting emails from people who cannot be there but have subscribed and want us to answer their questions. So it's 25 bucks a month if you're interested to go to events on our zenparentingradio.com site and click on Zen Talk and it'll walk you through it. It's a little Zen club is what it is. It is a little Zen club. Mm -hmm. It's the insider's club. It is. Um, Okay. So I want to play a a quick clip from an interview with Krista Tippett who interviewed Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck is been on TV for a few decades. And um, uh, it's safe to say that there's a lot of ideas that myself and Glenn Beck don't agree on. Well, let's just say this. He's always been very, um, he's definitely right wing and he's always, which self-admittedly, he will say this, he's always used fear to engage people. And he used to be a really big target of Jon Stewart's years ago where Jon Stewart would go after him because he was was using fear. So Glenn Beck is obviously, as we will find out here, um, he's changed his tune. In the last 18 months, he's kind of, he, he still believes in a lot of the same yeah. things, but how he goes about um, Expressing communicating himself, it yeah. is much more empathetic, I guess. And open-minded. He's freed his mind. So here's about 90 seconds from uh, this podcast. Here we go, Glenn Beck. We're freaking out about Barack Obama and a lot of people don't understand that. And and just well, and you, I, yeah, let me say ju- something about that, about what yeah, that is. Let me, let me just say this. This is why I have... And I've been begging the people on the right. How can you not have empathy for the people right now who are saying Donald Trump is going to destroy America? We are going to be in we're going to he's going to have concentration camps. You were thinking that about Barack Obama. Mm -hmm. How can you not understand that somebody sees this guy who is much more vocal and has many more tendencies than the last guy, how can you call them crazy? You know, there are people, I'm I'm finding it fascinating that at this moment where we could have profound understanding for one another and we can say, I know, I know, I know how you're feeling and don't make the mistake that I made. Don't do the things that we did. Well, nobody could be bad as you. Stop it. Stop it. Let's take this moment at time and say, let's learn from the past. Let's not overreact and freak out. And believe me, I'm one of the... All right. There's uh, Glenn Beck. Interesting, right? So, yeah, this is not about politics. It's about differing viewpoints and how to make space for somebody to uh, believe something that you don't. And I guess I just honor Glenn Beck for... um, having this awareness and and having the guts. Think about how much criticism he's received in the last 18 months from the people that were completely loyal to him who are now like, oh, he's turned soft or something Mm -hmm. like that. So this is not about who's right and who's wrong. This is just about creating space for another viewpoint. Well, and like he said, you know, part of it is seeing the other viewpoint and parting, part of it is relating. Like what he's saying is that people maybe right now who are really afraid and scared, um, there are people maybe who consider themselves you know politically affiliated elsewhere who would say well for the last 8 years i was really afraid so now i understand how you feel and like he said it's an opportunity for someone to say oh i get why they're freaking out they think this just like i thought this now that doesn't mean that we all just hold hands and say oh you were freaking out now we're you know it's not that simple but it takes 
it, it everything comes in like small increments, especially something that maybe has been ground into us over a long period of time, or if we belong to, I'm putting this in quotes, like a tribe who believes similarly, so we keep getting pushed even further to one side. That's right. It, it's like small increments of saying, I, okay, I'm still struggling here, but this I understand. I understand that the reason that people are saying things that may be viewed to others as extreme is because they're afraid. Mm -hmm. And that's how I felt before. So I understand that. I'm not saying I agree with their perspective, but I understand it. That takes more guts and more strength than it does to point fingers and say, we had to deal with it. Now you got to deal with it, which is basically just screw you. I think of siblings who who kind of fight like she stole my dress, so I'm going to go back and steal her dress Correct. or something like that. Eye for an eye, right? Yeah. You know, everything is like, if I felt it, you're going to feel it. And like you said, this is goes way beyond politics. It's with anything where we say- Parenting if, your kids, your yeah, spouse. Yeah. It's, yeah. And again, it's this, like we said at the beginning, it's this being able to free yourself from needing to always be right. Is that the, the well, what do we do instead? Have the ability to recognize something that you relate to. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It, you don't have to be like I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. You're right. It's okay. I'm still struggling in this area, but this I get. Mm-hmm. And that actually, I will say, Todd, when you and I have tough talks, where maybe we're disagreeing about something, that personally is my practice because sometimes my ego's so the guard is so high up like there's these natural impulses that we have these instincts where we're so protective that a wall goes we're reactionary it's almost like a garage door it yeah. just goes down right but it's like i try and instead of maybe just letting go and being like you're right you're right which is not healthy either mm-hmm. It's, you know what, okay, I'm still having a hard time here, but that, that I understand. You know, I try and find the things, the common ground, the bridge. Yeah. And then we still may walk away disagreeing, but we walk away connected. Right. That's the key. Well, and I feel like it's, um, you know, when we are reacting, we're reacting from our lizard brain. Correct. The reptilian brain, Mm -hmm. the fear. And when we have some space to allow for, that's when we're at the front of our brain, which is the prefrontal cortex. So this, as we said on the show in the past, this isn't like lovey-dovey language that doesn't, like there are neuro pathways that explain why it is we do what we do. Correct. And we also know on a really basic level that fear and joy really can't reside at the same time, yeah. right? They really can't. Like if you're in complete fear, it's so hard to feel joy. And when you're in joy, there's no room for fear. So this thing about doing a little bit, like having the, this is where you have to be, you know, observe your mind. Mm. This is why mindfulness is important. And this is why maybe a meditation practice can be really helpful here. Because if you can observe your mind and you can see that the garage door just went down and you're like, I know where I am. I know what's happening and I'm not ready to, to give this feeling up, but. You locate yourself. You locate it. You're like, okay, here is where I am. If you can just recognize Something small, like I see that or I feel that, or sometimes I notice when with Todd or the girls, when maybe their mood starts to shift and they start to get sad, and I realize that it's gone from aggravating or frustrating into hurting somebody. That is like this little shift that goes off in my brain where I'm like, okay, now I need to figure out a way to connect. Mm -hmm. If that's by saying, okay, I'm still struggling here, but I see your point, or explain your point to me again. Like, I say that because what you're doing then is you are making space. You're not allowing the fear 
to take up every, you know, all the volume in your brain. Right. You're actually making some space and where you start to create that space, it grows, right? What you start to focus on grows. There's all sorts of things that we can throw at you here to demonstrate why this works. Um, but it takes an observer's mind. Yeah. And you have to, that's why Todd and I sometimes share on the show things that are really simple, like, you know, we shared after our spring break a hotel room that, you know, was frustrating. 400 or, bucks. <laughs> which we didn't end up having to pay. Right. Or a conversation that the girls are having upstairs that's some not a really big deal. You know, nobody's pulling hair. They're just frustrated. Sometimes the reason we go after those things and we try and process through it is for practice to build a muscle for more challenging experiences. And also so we have that sense of respect and honor for each other already. So if a big thing hits or when, because it just does in life, we have some awareness that we can get through this and that we have some tools. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it goes back to self-care. You need some fuel in the tank. If your tank is empty, last night, for instance, um, it was Mother's Day yesterday. Uh-huh. You kind of, we did a lot of family stuff together and then you kind of did your own thing, uh-huh. which is rare because you're always helping people. And yesterday you helped yourself. So I honor that. Yeah. So last night I want to play board games with my daughters, which we did. We played memory. I'm uh, very grateful to say that Skylar and I beat JC and Cameron. Ooh. Usually Cameron beats us. Yeah, she's good at memory. Yes. Uh, so that was good. And then they want to play life. And I love playing life. And then, but uh, they, it's funny, they kind of get silly and laugh, like shame on How you dare kids. them. Playing How a game. How dare they laugh? And, and I want to like give them the money and move the game forward because then it'll turn into a two-hour game. Totally. So that's a thing. But... Um, I was totally having fun. And then you came downstairs. You're like, it's almost 10 o'clock. So then I started getting, so my, the, the fuel in my gas tank went to empty. Because of what I said? No, no, oh. because it was getting later. So I was having fun and being silly with the girls. And then I'm like, oh my God, it's getting late. It's a school night. And I, we, I have to kind of drop the hammer a little bit and say, mm-hmm. girls, we got to kind of move forward. I, I, I put myself in a position to fail. Correct. I started the game at nine o'clock. Well, and two things. Number one, you put yourself in a position to fail maybe because of when you started, but you also are carrying the belief system, excuse me, the belief system that we have to complete this game. Oh, there's no way I'm not going to complete it. Well, and see, that's a, that's right there. You need to observe that because would I'm you rather... Obs- I'm observing it. And you're holding it. Um, the garage door is down. Down. Um, you, the belief is, could we just leave this here on the table and finish? Because then we can play and be silly and have fun. Right. But if you are holding the belief we have have to finish, then of course you're setting yourself up to fail. You're right. That's exactly right. So, um, all right. So should we move on to my second clip? Not with Glenn Beck, but with somebody else. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to say one more thing. Oh, um, this, I don't know if this relates completely, but because you were talking about playing the game of life, just to kind of give you guys another example. So last night when I came down, they were finishing up and, um, one of our children, she was playing and she never landed on children. Yeah. She never got to have children. She didn't get to adopt a child. She didn't get to have any biological children in this game of life. And she was really sad about Deflated. it. Deflated. And even though she was making good money and all those things, yeah. she was like, that's not what I want and out of life. it's so funny. I'm like, I can't believe, I, in my brain, I didn't communicate this to her, but I'm like, it's a game. Don't, you didn't do anything wrong. You just didn't land on it. But she's emotionally connected she's to that emotionally as connected. we all can be. And what was funny, interesting though, is one of my other daughters was kind of observing this and watching this. And so this morning, like even like 12 hours later, 
you guys were talking about life and, and this other daughter said, I just love that game. I had twins. Oh boy. I just loved having twins. And I looked at her and I said, it's awesome that you have twins, but what was your reason for saying that? What'd and of say? course, well, she, of course she's not going to say, well, I said that to annoy my Person sister. X, right. um, but I, I wanted her – and I didn't make her apologize or do anything like that. A lot of times, you guys, it's just pointing out something, not to then resolve it and bring it back around, but to say, now, what was your intention for saying that? Right. I actually – my uh, a girlfriend of mine today just posted something online that said, why do we post what we post online? Why do we share what we share online? What is our intention behind it? And it's the same thing when we're communicating, and I, I think that – it's not about just other people or us as parents talking to our kids, but us. Why do we – this is self-awareness, right? We're just going right back into that loop of self-awareness. Why do we say that? Like why did she feel the need? She wanted to feel more powerful and valuable in that moment and wanted someone else to feel smaller. Yep. She thought, I will feel bigger if she feels smaller. And that's something we need to question. Yeah. It's not about feel bad about because who doesn't do that? I mean, that's what's the word? Schn, it's the German word, Schneidenfrode. Schneidenfrode. Do you know the word I'm talking about? I know, but I don't remember how to pronounce that it. That word, because my German is not very good, means we get off on other people's bad news. And why do we do that? Because we have this competitive spirit where we're like, if they're doing bad, I get more. Yeah. When the truth is there's plenty of space and room for everybody, right. but we forget the physics, we forget the actuality of the world, and we think there's only so many pieces of the pie. Yep. So I just want to point that out. Um, so uh, real quick, our first partner is canvaspeople.com. What is Canvas People? It's an easy-to-use photo-to-canvas service that takes your favorite photo memories and turns them into beautiful artwork for you to enjoy every day. Instead of uh, letting your pictures sit on your phone or your iPad or your computer, upload your picture to canvaspeople.com and then they will deliver to you a canvas of that picture. And you could even include quotes on it and stuff like that. It's really awesome. So they do a special deal for Zen Parenting Radio listeners. If you type in Zen, Z-E-N, if you purchase an 11 by 14 canvas, it goes from $69.99 down to zero. You just pay for shipping. So a uh, coupon code is Zen and it's canvaspeople.com. Thank you, Canvas People. Cool. Um, so this is uh, Tim Ferriss who wrote the four-hour work week. Um, has a podcast called The Tim Ferriss Show. He interviewed a gentleman by the name of Dr. Philip Zimbardo, who is a world-famous psychologist. And I'm going to play two different clips. Kathy hasn't heard them yet, but mm -hmm. I just think that they're kind of powerful and meaningful. That's what I do. I just kind of listen to stuff during the week, and I'm like, oh, wow, this would be something cool to share. So that's what I'm doing with you here. So this is about, how long is this? Um, this is about a minute and a half. So Tim Ferriss interviewing a psychologist, Phil Zimbardo. You know, we have hundred, I don't know, 7,000 homeless people on the street, many old ladies, sometimes families. So each day I decide, am I going to give them 50 cents, a dollar? But I don't just give money to a homeless person. What I do is I try to humanize them. I will pick someone in, you know, in the street and then simply say, hello, I'm Phil Zimbardo, what's your name? And they're often surprised. I shake their hand. I give them a doll. I say, I, I, you know, I wish it could be more. I hope your luck uh, improves. And I take one minute to make, to, to convert that dehumanizing experience into a human one. And I, I had an occasion recently where a woman began to cry. I mean, because no one, no one had done that simple thing. 
Okay, so that is him. And do you know why I flagged this, sweetie? Because you have a chapter in your book basically saying the exact same thing. Yeah. And I just thought that that was pretty awesome because I give money to when I find, not all the time, but as often as I feel like I can. And I usually don't make eye contact. I give a dollar or whatever it is and I move on. And what I'm, my personal work is that when I decide to do that again, I am going to try to connect the way that this gentleman says in the interview, you have a, a chapter uh, in your in your third book. It's called Touching Shoulders. Touching Shoulders. Do you want to give a quick summary of what happened to you that day? Well, uh, the quick summary is I was in Chicago on a corner. Um, I was standing there and there was a man who was pretty obviously homeless coming toward me. And at first I was annoyed because I kind of feel like that happens a lot, like where there'll be a lot of people and someone will come toward me. So I had first had the annoyance, but then he asked for money. Um, I went to get him money out of my purse and he said to me, you know, I don't want to ask you for this. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of crying and he, w- he had a runny nose and stuff. And I said, I grabbed his hand and I said, I know you don't. And he said, can I take this and then give to someone else in your honor? And I said, absolutely. That would be fantastic. And I felt like it was a clear exchange then, meaning energetically we had given something to each other. Right. And uh, and then later on, I exact same thing happened. Like I was writing the story about that experience. And then an older gentleman was in Panera and also asked me for something. And I was first annoyed. And then I'm like, wait. Right now, I'm writing about the fact that we need to be more humanizing of people asking us. And this man in Panera wasn't homeless, but he was a widower and was missing his wife and wanted to talk to me about her. Mm. And it was beautiful. Didn't he give you something? He did. He gave me a poem. Wow. And because mm-hmm. he writes a lot of poems. The poem is called Touching Shoulders. Oh, my god! That's why the that is called Touching Shoulders. Yeah, it's in my second book and it's in my third book. Oh, you put it in the third uh-huh. one too. Yeah, it's a powerful one because it was a moment for me. And and I, I think that – I think you're kind of selling yourself short a little bit, Todd, with um, giving mm. though because – one thing that you and I both do, and I don't know where this started or where this came from, but when we do give, we all in you know, it just typically tends to be a man. There's also women we give to, sure. but we always say, "Here, sir, mm-hmm. thank you, sir." We yeah. we call them sir yeah. and and honor them as somebody who has a life and oh, yeah. a purpose. And it's a always respectful, always loving. But I'm always trying to grow and improve and all that, and I feel like this is one way I can do that. I can. Um, connect a little bit more and not maybe not every time but but just a little bit more yeah and you know we've said this before on the show but this is just an easy thing for you guys who live in areas where there are people maybe who are standing with signs and mm. um and need things is we have bags in our car um that todd and the girls put together with all sorts of things that someone who was living on the street would need you know socks a little bit of money water mm. um some candy granola bar, granola bar um at shaving kit right. and it's just little travel stuff but yeah. it, it's all it all fits in a um, gallon Ziploc bag. Exactly. And so we have them all over the car and the, we've been doing it so long the girls are really used to it and they'll spot yeah. people. Now, interestingly, a couple months ago, um, there was a woman who was homeless and we realized all of our bags were geared toward men. Mm. And I still gave her one sure. um, because of the money and the yeah. food and everything that was in it. But I realized that we have to be more, yeah. um, sometimes there's different needs. Sure. Uh, but I just wanted to say that there are, th- and, and I think, that idea that we shouldn't humanize comes from fear. Sure. I think there was a time, maybe in the 80s and 90s, where it was like 
don't give anything, don't look at them, a very non-compassionate, they're going to hurt you yeah. kind of thing. Um, and in no way am I saying nobody homeless has ever hurt anybody. It's not that that maybe people, there haven't been times, mm -hmm. but I would say the vast majority of times, these people are just looking for help yeah. and support. And like you said, to be recognized as human. Yeah. Can I tell one quick story? Sure, go ahead. So uh, those of you who listen to the show a lot, you may know that we uh, had a woman on named, or she actually wasn't on our show. We played um, clips of her. Uh, her name's Orly Waba, and she has uh, a website called Life Vest Inside, and her whole mission is kindness. And she posted a video a couple weeks ago um, where she has a new book out called Kindness Boomerang, and it's really beautiful. It's like kindness acts you can do every day. And she, her goal was in New York City to give her book to people who were homeless, not in like a buy my book kind of way, but like an offering of love. This woman's really beautiful. Yeah. So, um, and she would exactly what you know this guy's saying is she would sit down next to this person who's sitting on the street and say, hi, my name is Orly and, you know, how are you doing? And I wanted to give you this. And this is the most, the hugest part of it because she showed a bunch of times she did this and how appreciative people were. She sat down with this woman who was like living out of a cart basically and said, you know, here's my book and I just want you to have it. Maybe it'll help you with your day. And the woman said, oh, I've already read this. Oh my gosh. And Orly was like, what do you mean you've already read it? She goes, my husband knows I love new books and he found it and he brought it to me and I already read it. And then not only did she say that, she goes, but I remember the day that I read it, your advice was blah, 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 blah. So she wasn't, she BSing. wasn't, yeah. yeah. And Orly was astounded mm. because just right there, you re this is a woman who's reading books every day. Yeah. This is a woman who is down and out. You don't think of homeless people as being big book readers. Correct. And she was. It was really profound. Mm. And so anyway, um, if you want to find Orly's website or her Facebook page, Orly Waba. Um, How do you spell that? O-R-L-Y, capital W-A-A-H-B-A. -A -A, but all you have to look for is Life Vest Inside. Life Vest Inside. Inside. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, so this is the second clip of the same interview with Tim Ferriss and Dr. Philip Zimbardo. I think it's unrelated, but it was meaningful to me. So here we go, and then I'll hear your, your two cents. So it's, uh, it's almost two minutes, so it's kind of long. Okay. So. One way to be aware of the influence people have on you is to be a, a deviant for a day. And the simplest thing to do is you put um, with a magic marker that is erasable a square on your forehead. Okay. <laughs> and and that, once you put it on, you know, you look in the mirror, you see where it is, and then you don't see it anymore. And people are going to say, what is that? It's a It's nothing. It's a square. I'm just trying something out. You begin to see very quickly how people put pressure on you to take it off. <laughs> You're not different. You're not different in any way. There's a little mark on your forehead. And so what we find is very difficult to resist the temptation to just wipe it off because then you're doing what they want you to do. And the idea is if you can resist one day eight hours, then suddenly you realize you have this inner power to be your own person. And, and especially with parents, I mean, mothers get crazed, you know, your, your best friend even said, come on, take it off. You know, it's, you're embarrassing them, but you know, by extension. So I invite your listeners to try the game of being a deviant for a day. Simply put a square, uh, with a magic, a racial magic mark on your forehead, a small square, uh, and keep it on for a day and just notice first the pressure people put on you to be what they want you to be, take it off. And you'll feel the temptation to do what they want you to do. 
But the learning message is that be sensitive to the pressure people put on you to be what they want you to be in other ways, to like their kind of music, to dress the way they do, to um, share in their political views, etc. I used to have my students at Stanford do some things like that, but also dress dress up if you usually dress down, dress down if you usually dress up, or do just do some some weird stuff and watch how people get really upset at you for very small deviations from what they think is ordinary and normal. Yeah, that's huge. I think as as parents, this is a parenting podcast. I think that's very powerful. I do too. I mean, I could go a million different directions with that, but I think that the the deviance or the deviation or the derivation, can I change that word? De- devi Because he's saying deviance, but yeah, that's deviant sounds, for a day. That's what he says. Yeah. And it, it has like, a, I see when I say that word, I see something negative. Okay. So um, I totally get what he's saying. Yeah. But as children, when we do this, and a lot of, and teenagers will do it and have a little bit of stronger will about it. But when our parents or loved ones tell us to wipe that square off, it can be challenging for two reasons. Number one, because we are we get a lot more frustrated because our emotional maturity is less than it is. But we also realize we depend on our parents for everything. And so there's a feeling of, I better wipe this off or I may not be accepted, taken care of, loved. Mm-hmm. And that gets really ingrained in us where when we are older and maybe we're just playing the game of drawing the square and someone says, take that off, you're making me uncomfortable, our cellular memory goes back to the time time. when we depended on someone's first survival. Yeah. And as adults, we no longer depend on, we don't have to, depend on anyone else for survival because we can take care of ourselves, make our own money. You know, we have that capability. I know there are times that that's challenging, but my point is, is that I think a lot of the reason that we're ultra sensitive to that is because of that cellular memory. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, we can very, be very surfacey about it and say, I don't want to embarrass, embarrass anybody or I don't want to make this person uncomfortable. And that's the truth mm-hmm. on the surface. But underneath that is I don't want them to get embarrassed enough to not want to be with me, to not take care of me, to not love me. And the opposite of that is a teenager who wants to do everything. Or when I'm saying this, I'm saying generically, yeah. uh, I don't think all teenagers are this way. But in the stereotypical Teenagers want to do the exact opposite of what you want them to do. Well, it's interesting. Let's talk about teenagers for a second because I think conformity is something that, you know, as adults, we we try to conform. Correct. And then, but we also have, I think, the inherent ability because our brain is more mature that we, we are a little bit better at standing on our own two yes. feet. Whereas, you know, high schoolers, conformity is, is a big thing because you don't want to get made fun of or whatever. And then even like, you know, the rebel um, who dresses in all black or whatever just to m- m- upset their parents or whatever, they hang with a bunch of the people. So they're all kind of conforming Correct. together. Oh my gosh. I heard the greatest thing. Uh, I think Rob Bell said it on his podcast about a month ago. And he and his, I think he said he was with his dad. They were driving by a specific group of kids who were skateboarding and were all like ripped jeans and like their hair was like a mess or yeah. whatever. And he and his dad said, well, all the cool kids over there have straight teeth. Mm. And basically what he's trying to say is the reason that they can do that and wear the ripped jeans and kind of not care about their hair is because someone's already taken care of them. Yeah, Someone's paid for their orthodontics. Right. 
And so now they can be like, oh, yeah, I'm too cool for this. But your average person who doesn't have access to all of that kind of thing, right. they, the basics, the human basics are what they're looking for. Um, you are good at this. You're I, good at wearing squares on your head. I'm, I am, I'm pretty good at it. Mm -hmm. um, but having said that, there are still certain parts of me where I do have this de desperate need to fit into and not stand out. But I, there's In also- what example? Um... I don't know. I'll tell you one example where I don't care is sometimes I go out with my friends and I will have played pickleball and I stink and my my hair is straight up and everybody else is kind of dressed like they are to go to a mm -hmm. restaurant and a bar and I really don't care what I look like. Yeah, you're wearing that hairband right now. I love not caring what I look yes, like. Yes, it's great. Um, now, what what I will say to you and you may not have taken this into consideration, and I'm not trying to diminish the importance of not caring. Yeah. But you are attractive. You're you are someone who is is a good looking guy. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying like more good looking than other people, just like somebody who is you're in shape and you are nice looking. Right. So it's easier for you to it's kind of True, like True, it's safe. It's safer because like remember the about last night line that we love? When Rob Lowe and Demi Moore, when he's like, why do you have to use all this makeup yeah, and to, stuff? Yeah, to to track your boss or something and like that. And she's like, you... Look good no matter... No matter what. what. Right. You get out of the shower, Rob Lowe, and you look you good. You look good. Right. I have to, work have to do it. things. Right. And that's kind of... I've kind of always felt like that's you and me is... I, you know, it's kind of like you can go out and be kind of messy and dirty and stink, but you still look good. And there is, for me, more of if I'm really going to, and you know, I don't really go out dressed up that often. I don't have any, I rarely wear makeup and stuff. It's not that, it's not a concern. It's just something to take into consideration. Well, I'll give you an example to kind of maybe make myself a little bit more vulnerable. Sometimes I get cold sores. Oh, and yes. And it that's a good drives one. me nuts. One, because it hurts like a bugger. Correct. And two, it's like this big giant thing yes. on my face. So I completely am hypersensitive to how I look in that moment. Yes, that's a great example. Versus me having a bedhead, who cares? But the cold sore, I'm like, do I really have to go to this meeting or something like that? Yes. Or I'll try to hide a little bit or... Um, I used to like say, oh, I got elbowed on the basketball court just because there's a stigma against cold sores totally. or whatever. So uh, so maybe that is just an offering that I'm as full of crap as everybody. Well, it's kind of one of those things like, you know, when an attractive person kind of looks messy and dirty, it's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like I remember when I went to college, you know, I, I such an 80s girl and I had so much hair and huge hair and, you know, I came from a small town, so everything was like big. And, yeah. and then I went to college at a place where girls would like get out of the shower and have like long hair and wear no makeup and like their hair would be wet and they'd just put on Ray-Bans and mm -hmm. like a rip. And I, w I was like, okay, wait a second. What's going, What's on, going here? on here? But it was because they still looked attractive though yeah. because they were just naturally. And so there's a sense of I'm too cool for all that stuff, but you can be too cool because you're already look good. Right. You know, and honestly, now that I'm 45 and I look back on college kids and high school kids, my mom used to say this all the time, but they're all attractive. Yeah. You know, all of them are because they're so young and vibrant. And so, um, speaking of young and vibrant, mm -hmm. um, my oldest daughter had a, she does dance class at night with all of her classmates, but you know, 50 boys, 50 girls or however yes. many there are. 
And um, the last night they allow parents to observe from the balcony and mm-hmm. then you can go dance with your kid for the last song or two. Mm-hmm. And it's just so interesting because I'm observing my daughter and all of her best friends are there and she's dancing and they're having so much fun. There's so much like optimism and energy and it's just the youthful energy that right. we all once had yes. that is so elusive to us now. And I was kind of jealous yeah. of seeing this unbridled, joyful, excitement energy with these eighth graders. Yes, And I don't know, maybe just observing that helps me kind of get it back a little bit. Yeah, I was jealous, but at the same time, I want to attract it into my life as well. Well, and I think that's one of the things when we talk about high school and college is that the reason why we miss it and why those times are so valuable is because we don't even realize what we have. Being surrounded by our friends all the time, you go out on Friday, you're with, you see these people, you can count on a party, you can count on a get together, you can count on your friends being around. And as we get older, our lives just separate because they have to. It's not about we should be doing it differently. This is not about self-condemnation and saying we're doing it wrong because there's there's also a every Friday night having to go to a party can be a challenge too yeah. sometimes. Oh, it, it, yeah, there's baggage with what exactly. I just observed too. But I will toot my own horn for a second here. I still feel sometimes like I'm seven years old. Yes. And I try to duplicate that feeling as often as I can and it doesn't happen as nearly as often as I wish. But I just had a birthday and one of my birthday presents to myself is to get all as many of my buddies together as I can. Yes. And we played pickleball together and we actually went to the baseball diamond and we had a bucket of balls and we just did batting practice. Mm-hmm. And that's not something like one of the guys said to me, my friend Brett, he's like, Todd, I don't know if I've ever done this before. Now he didn't play little league the way I did, but the fact that we had 40 baseballs being pitched to this one individual and they hit it and we shag fly balls. And what it does was, that mean? Shag fly balls? Just go catch them. Oh, okay. And it was just a wonderfully joyful experience. And I'm a 45 year old man. Yeah. So you can do this for those of us who are like, oh, we're too old for that. Right. We're not. Now it's different because we can't run as fast as we used to and we can't play or we chose not to play like a full game, but we're, you know, in our forties and fifties, some of the guys are in their fifties and we're still playing as if we're seven years old. So we can, but you got to create it. You got to send the email out. You got to plan it. And you have to realize that you have every right to it because I think a lot of times when it comes to things like fashion, we'll be like, oh, I can't wear that anymore or I can't wear my hair that way anymore or I'm too old for this. You're creating those boundaries. Your mind is not free. Correct. You you have the... you. Your free your mind issue is there. You have to make room for that. And and what I love about that is because then, and this is the last thing because I know we're finishing up yeah. here, is that then I feel like my kids really do know me. I want to go back to that because, you know, like Todd, the girls know that Todd plays. Todd plays, period. And there's a period at the end of that sentence. They know that their dad plays in every way, shape, and form. Board games, you know, sports, um, in in a serious environment you play. Even at the conference that some of you have been to, Todd plays. He does hoverboards and he does drones and he <laughs> runs around. And that's and that's not for you, you guys. That's him being him because he's like that at home. So I say that with mine, I think it's more about like music and singing in the car. And right, mine things. looks different than yours. Exactly, because mine is very me too. I would do, I do it when no one's around and I do it when everyone's around. And what I have recognized is that that means the girls feel more free to play and my girls sing in the car with abandon, like because I always have. And I didn't do that for them. Let me be clear. 
you just when you show up as yourself, people like that. Yep. So That's exactly right. And and not just people to impress, but your children appreciate it. So we got a close shot because yes, we're doing Zen Talk in nine minutes. Oh, my gosh. So uh, subscribe to our podcast by going to ZenParentingRadio.com. Uh, I'm doing a talk at Mankind Project Center in Chicago on May 30th. Go to our website, click on events to learn more about that. I'd love to see it because I don't know if anybody's going to show up. Should I go? Am I going to that or is it for um, women? I don't know. No, it's open to men and women. Thanks for doing Okay. Thanks for saying that. So okay. it doesn't have to be. And then I do, uh, I coach guys. So go to toddadamscoaching.com. Do you have anything? Well, I do because last week I said I have this teen class and I thought it would be full. I still have two spaces left. Now I made a little more space. I went up a little bit. But if you want to come to this class, it's at Brewpoint Coffee in Elmhurst. You can come from anywhere. I don't. doesn't matter where you come from in Chicago. And uh, it's on June 14th. It's a Wednesday. It's from f- 4 to 6. Um, and we're going to be talking about mothering your teen, um, how to stay connected, how to talk to them about sexuality. Um, and it's really mothering your teen girl. I, d- I wasn't clear about that last time because I got some emails. Mothering your teen girl. Basically, how to help them through this time and to be a supportive person rather than someone they retaliate against. Um, and then don't forget our last two partners, which we love so much. Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care Um uh, the website is chirotree.com. And then Jeremy Kraft, the bald-headed beauty, uh, painting and remodeling throughout Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. And that's avidco.net. Anything else, sweetheart? Just that for all these things that Todd and I talk about at the end of the show or even in the middle of the show, just go to zenparentingradio.com and click events and you'll see them. So you can you know subscribe there. You can sign up for a class there. You can get information about Todd's talk at Mankind Project. Just go there. And keep trucking, guys. And we love you. We love you. Have a great week. Adios. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you, and we hope you'll join us again next time. If you are a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. Or you can also just tell a friend about our show. Todd and I do speaking engagements about Zen parenting and self-awareness, so if you have an interested group or organization, contact us at kathy at zenparentingradio.com. That's Kathy with a C. Hey, next year's Zen Parenting Conference is March 2nd and 3rd, 2018. If you want to know more about this or any of our upcoming events, go to zenparentingradio.com and click events. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or on Amazon. If you're a guy, I have two resources for you. I coach guys. It's called Coaching for Guys. On the phone, Skype, or in person, we set goals together and come up with a plan to meet those goals, whether it's a relationship, parenting, career, time management, work-life balance, all that good stuff. Go to toddadamscoaching.com, and uh, I also have uh, the first session is free, so it's really no risk. Or if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out thetribemensgroup.com. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It won't cost you anything, but we get a small commission from Amazon. I want to give a special thanks to both of our partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support and keep on trucking.